Welcome everyone, and we are continuing our journey through preaching through the scriptures. Uh, we've gone through, um, as we've said before, gone through book by book for ever, a long time. It has been a long time that we've done, and we're in James today, which I would back nine of the golf course, we're almost, almost finished, and, and James is a very unique letter that um, has a lot of great challenge in it. Uh, as I um, opened up in the first service, I said the same thing to them, it's a message that I've been really wrestling with. Uh, I feel that there is a, a great message of hope in here as we talk about endurance and life's trials, but I also don't want to cheapen trials, and I don't want to cheapen people's uh, valleys that they go through. And so it's been a real challenge to kind of dig in here and see what James has for us and the hope that is in there. So I hope everyone uh, will be with me on this as well. And if you feel like you need to wrestle uh, with God, just go outside. We won't, we won't judge you. It's fine. No, just not. You can wrestle right there. That's good. But uh, I'm from Florida, and uh, I've mentioned that all to you before. I was very, very uh, blessed, really, to buy a uh, foreclosed home uh, when I was, uh, just before I, I got, a couple of years before I got married. So Carrie wasn't, she wasn't even in the picture. She didn't get a chance to choose this home that I bought. And everyone kept saying that this home was, uh, had good bones, which I just think was a very, very nice way of them saying that your house is old and it's, you know, and they could have chosen better. But, uh, but it was, it was, I was lucky. I was very blessed. It was a very good home. This home, as most Florida homes, had a swimming pool. Now, us up here in Ohio, not every home has one of those things, but in Florida, it's pretty commonplace. The swimming pool was not necessarily a, a selling point for me. I am not what you would call a swimmer. I don't enjoy putting a bathing suit on. The neighbors don't need to see that. And I would, you know, they would be like, they called up SeaWorld and say, Shamu is loose. No, but I didn't, didn't do that. And I, it was, I never really swam in it. To be honest, I swam in that pool one time. That was as much as I did. And so I kind of let it go. I let the swimming pool go. If you ever want to know what it's like to own a swimming pool, go outside every week, every week, take your wallet, take a $20 bill out, promptly light that 20 bill on fire, watch it burn, and do that every week, because that's basically what it means to own a pool. It's just a money just grab, right? And so I let it go. Did you know that when you stop taking care of a pool, the crystal blue water does not stay crystal blue anymore? Who the fuck? I had no idea, right? And so I was like, I'm just not going to, I mean, I'll run the filter, I'll run the, 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 the pump thing so that it stirs it, I guess, but I wasn't putting anything in it. Well, promptly that water went from blue to uh, cloudy green to brown and then black. Like, people were wondering if there was just, if I was going to drain the pool and find, like, you know, the mob had hidden something in there. It was just that ugly and disgusting. And I just kind of shut my blinds and went about my merry way, right? So anyways, so uh, what, what happens is, is that not, not only does your crystal blue water turn to black, then you get, um, you get these uh, frogs, you know, you, you, you begin to have your own ecosystem back there. And, and that's exactly what happened. And it wasn't just one frog, it was many frogs, and it was like the Lion King circle of life. And, and, and that's, uh, we had tadpoles, we had new frogs, and it just was just a thing. And the other did you know, did you know that frogs, cute little frogs, do not say ribbit, ribbit? 
No, they're not out there. It's not like Carmen saying, it's not easy being greedy. No, none of that is happening. They are out there and they are singing, but they are singing their own special frog song. And it's not just one, but a whole choir of them just all hours of the night, especially after it rains. And it rains every day in Florida. And that is what I have. I say all this because frogs don't say ribbit, ribbit. They sing. And you, I'm going to call you all frogs. Why? Frog is another way to remember a, a very, very simple biblical truth about what it means to follow Christ and to have faith. And not only have faith, have faith in trying times. Frog is an acronym. It stands for fully rely on God. There you go. See, now you can leave and you've had the message. You don't need to sit here for another 30 minutes. But that is what it is. Fully rely on God. And what I would have for us today is that when the rain comes in life, when you find yourself surrounded in front of a darkened, blackened pool of whatever it is you're going through, let your frog song sing. The fully rely on God song this is what I think James teaches us in his letter. The book of James is written by James. Uh, his actually, uh, you, you may see if you're ever to, to if, I don't know why you would, but if you ever just wanted to have giggles and look at it in the Greek or the Hebrew, the name's actually uh, Jacob, but we translate it as James. Uh, but anyways, he was the uh, brother of Jesus. He was related to Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, obviously, because Mary and God, that's Jesus, and all the rest would be half-brothers, right? And so James was a sibling of the Lord. Now, you would think that James would have very, very quick and firsthand knowledge and just a love and a devotion for his brother Jesus right from the very beginning. That is not necessarily the case. We know from scriptures that James and the other siblings tried to have Jesus committed. So if you are a younger sibling, you obviously know this because us older siblings all too often, and we know that we are God's gift to the family. And so that is obviously, that probably rubbed them the wrong way just a little bit. James comes into belief that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, upon Jesus' resurrection. It was kind of like one of those aha moments, like, oh, sugar, he was right. Uh, I, need to, I need to know that. And not only did he come to belief, but he went on to be, oh my, a very prominent leader in, in this growing community of Christ believers. And at a time where it was not glamorous to believe in Jesus. James, the letter, this letter was written, and, and typically letters are brought to a person or brought to a community. Well, this community is scattered. Okay, this is during the, di the diaspora where, where, it, where, where Christians and are getting uh, persecuted. They've been, they've been sent out. They are just scattered out amongst, amongst the land. And so this letter is getting to people to people. And so it's very much written in like these little sound bites. If you're familiar with Facebook, they're like little memes that are all throughout this letter. It's like the, I would call it the New Testament Proverbs is, is what I would call James. There's just so many gut-wrenching theological faith points that he packs in this letter to a scattered people, an embattled people, giving them things to hold on to while they are, there, they are in the midst of their trials. James is encouraging them and encouraging us, us frogs, that wherever we are at, whatever storm we are in, 
scattered or whatever it is that's going through, fully rely on God. Let that frog song sing. How does this happen? Well, the fully rely on God, let your frog song sing, is that in the midst of trials, what James right out the gate says to us is that when we go through these trials, it's going to produce steadfastness, or better yet, endurance. And that this endurance is essential as you go through life as a believer. Let me, let me, let me jump in. So James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, right out the gate, he says, count it all joy, my brothers, everyone, my brothers, my sisters, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, that verse is used by Paul as well. Rejoice, always I say again, rejoice. This is one of those verses that, that can mock you when you're in the midst of a trial. This is one of those verses that can get into your business a little bit. This is one of those verses that we could possibly use as a Christian to try to help somebody else when they're going through it and really we're not helping them. This count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds because when we're in the midst of a trial, when we are in the midst of a valley, sometimes that's the, the very last thing that we want to hear or do is to say, well, then just be joyful. Be happy. Be, be satisfied that you are going through the trial that you are going through. And as I look out into this sanctuary, there are stories that I don't know and there are stories that I do know. And I do know that in the midst of whatever trial, struggle, whatever thing that you are hoping for, count it all joy is a tough teaching. But right out the gate, James says that to scattered people who are witnessing their own brothers and sisters in faith be killed, be called off, to in fear of death themselves for having this faith. And he says right out the gate, count it all joy, whatever trials that you are going through, because this is why it produces endurance. So it's steadfastness, endurance. And let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lack in nothing. How do we endure when we are in the midst of a valley, when we are surrounded by this darkened pool of life? How do we endure? Well, James in his letter, as I said, gives these little heart punches throughout to try to show them how it is that endurance gets built up. Most of his letter, most of his letter finds its basis on the two greatest commandments. And he even says that. He says, remember that royal law. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he kind of, he, he, he puts it all on that. So you got to imagine, he's got scattered people, and he's reminding them the very core foundation of their Judeo-Christian faith is remember to love God, love others as yourself. Do this, and how you do this is going to help bring about that endurance, is going to help bring about that steadfastness as you walk through this horrible situation that we are in. He's basically saying no matter the, the situation that you're in, you need to understand that that, does, that should not give us the opportunity to look at the Lord and not fully rely on him. He's saying that those situations are an opportunity to do that even ever more. 
one of the first things that he teaches them is this. He says, in terms of building up that endurance and going through that trial, he says the very first thing is, is be doers and not just mere hearers of the word. Verse 22, chapter 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. And for when he looks at himself and goes away, at once he forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the love your God, love your neighbor, the one who looks at that and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. One of the first things that happens when we get into a valley of a situation is we forget. We toss it all aside. Everything that we know about Jesus, everything that we know about his life, we forget that he was crucified. We forget that he was tried. We forget that his credibility came under attack several times, that he was beaten. We forget that, 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 he, that he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed to the Lord before the crucifixion and said, God, take this from me. And then when God didn't, he says, well, then thy will be done. We forget, as Hebrews tells us last week, of the great high priest who has been through it all. And if you remember last week, Jerry talked to us about we have the faith muscles. We do. Because we come in and we sit down in these chairs without even thinking about it. Now that, that metaphor didn't really work for me because when you're a man of size, you definitely test every chair before you sit in that one. You size it up as you look at it. I'm like, not, not going to sit in that patio furniture. I'll just pull up the ground. But I mean, but, there's, but it's true. You come in and you sit down without even thinking. You put faith in things without even thinking. But why is it that when it comes to, to the Lord, especially when life is not going the way that we want it to go, why is it that we toss that out and we say, oh, I don't know, I don't know about all that? Why is Jesus some lofty ideal that I could possibly look at but probably won't? It's like a man who looks in the mirror, sees himself, and then promptly forgets what he looks like. It's like a person who, who looks at Scripture, reads about Jesus, and then walks away and it's like, I, Jesus who? James is saying, as you walk, as you go through these, these trials, these, these, these serious things, one of the first ways to help build that endurance of faith, to fully rely on God, is to actually be both a hearer and a doer of the word, to not abandon the very word in which you have received, even though you're scattered. Oh, that's a great teaching point for us in the midst of COVID. To not abandon that, but dig into it all the more deeper. And he says that the one who does this at the end will be blessed in his doing. That blessed, that don't think that that means that you'll be getting stuff. I look at that, I read that you'll be blessed and that you will be seen by God. You will know that God is with you. You will know that he's walking with you in the midst of whatever it is that you are walking in and you can fully rely on him. Another thing that he teaches in terms of building up endurance is not only be hearers and doers of the word, but then in chapter 2, he gives them this warning. He says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And what does that mean? Well, again, this letter gets a little convoluted. There's, there's teaching points that come in and back and around. 
This is another theme that's present in this book, this idea of partiality. And what James is saying is, is that when you go into whatever that circumstance is, that test of faith, whatever that, that, that is that you are going through, and you begin to give it a shot and pray to the Lord and, and, and seek his help and guidance, if you go to that with partiality, with one foot in, one foot out, with, I'll give it a shot, God, but you're kind of like the last on my to-do list of things that I'm trying to get me through. I'll offer this Hail Mary up to you, but I really don't, I don't think that you're going to do anything about it. Well, James says, don't expect to receive anything in that way. He calls those double-minded people. And double-minded people don't get the wisdom from the Lord. He's not, that's not going to come to you. You're trying to hold on to two different things. How can you trust in the God that is steadfast himself when you're showing partiality to him, when you don't think that he's real? So to his embattled, scattered people, be doers and hearers. Go to the Lord in full faith, not double minus. Don't show partiality. And that partiality is, is for that. It is also a warning to them not to look on others with judgment, to think of themselves better than somebody else. That's that second part of the greatest commandment, to love your neighbor. James is giving them these tools of how they can be the church, be the faithful while they are scattered, while they are in the trials that they are in. And that in so doing these things, it builds up that endurance and faith to allow us to run this race of life. Now, this is where I pause because this can become real trite real quick. For those of us in this room who are in the midst of an enduring battle, to say just be more faithful is not a help. To say just trust God more is not something that is probably speaking to your soul. And the reason being is, is that it puts our mind in a place where we have to do something in order to feel strong. And we have to do something in order to generate that endurance. And that is exactly what James is not saying. He's saying you're going through this trial and this trial that is happening. God is using that to bring about your strength and faith. You fully rely on God's faith in him. It's not on your muscles at all. It is all on the Lord. The word endurance means to abide under the bearing weight. Well, without the Lord, under the bearing weight of whatever you may be going through, there are people who have lost children. There are people who have lost spouses, who have lost parents. There are people who have gotten cancer, who have gotten diagnoses that don't make sense. That's a lot of weight that bears down. And to say to endure that on your own is foolish. So just as we abide under whatever that trial is happening and need to endure, remember the, the gospel. Jesus says to his disciples, abide in me and I abide in you. And this is how we endure. And it's not on your muscles at all. People who say to you that God only gives you what you can handle, they are well-meaning, but they are wrong. That is a hogwash statement. You are given everything that you can't handle so that you fully rely on, on God 
that it's God who helps you through this race of life and this thing that you are going through. It's not on you. If it's on you, you will fail every time. You know that metaphor to run the race? This race of life is a marathon. This is not won by sprints. And sometimes enduring through the trial that we are going through is just getting up in the morning and greeting the day. And that was how we endured today. And step by step, we walk through what it is we may be going through. These scattered people that James is writing to, they have no idea if they're going to come back together again. Again, that should sound familiar. Day by day, we run this race, taking steps, knowing that it is not in our strength that we are enduring this weight. It is by us abiding in Christ. And that's what James is saying. Don't show partiality. Don't be just hearers of the word. Be, Be in it. Exercise your faith. Fully rely on God. Let your frog song sing. And so as I looked at that, then I, part of my wrestle this morning was, okay, this is all well and good. So we have all the well and good stuff here. Even I, right? Even I am looking at this and thinking, oh, can I actually trust what's being said here and actually communicate that to people? And so I, I've had like how, when, there, just, there needs to be hope in this. And there is hope in this. Back in chapter one again, when, when James tells him to count it all joy, all these trials that you're going through because it produces endurance, he goes on and he says, blessed is the man, verse 12, who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, when life comes to its completion, when we have come to the finish line of this marathon race, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. This is what now separates us who believe from those who who don't. Because we endure through trials and we run this race because we have eyes on where we are where we are going to, of where this life is headed towards. And that we put our full faith and hope and insurance in that, that when we finish this race and we close our eyes on this world, we will open them up and there will be Jesus. And we won't have to remember anything anymore because we're not forgetting, we're just seeing. And we're seeing Jesus. And he is standing there. And he is holding that crown of life with his nail-scarred hands. And he is handing that off to us. And he is saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And our fully rely on God song switches to fully resting on his glory and we find rest from life's trials. That is why we endure in this life is to get to the next and not only get to the next but be with Christ, with that crown of life. That metaphor crown of life comes from the the athletes of the day. You know, in that time period, athletes would enter in competitions and do things and if they would win, they would get a laurel crown out of like leaves and vines or whatever. And that crown would eventually die until they go to the next competition and and do things and they would just continue to amass these things. Well, James is saying there'll come a time where we will lay all that down. All of those laurel crowns of, of really nothing and receive the crown of life. And so on this side of the world, this side of heaven, 
as we go through trials of every kind. Fully rely on God. Even if your full reliance today is the fact that you got here. Don't think that this race has to be run in a sprint. The Lord is working with you and inside of you each and every day to bring a strength of faith that relies on him just as much as you are lying in that pew that you are sitting in. To fully rely on God. Now, let's go back to my pool in Florida. It wasn't just one frog. It was many frogs. And as you look in this sanctuary and around at this body of Christ here, you all, my dear friends, are frogs. And each of you has a story. Each of you have experiences or experiencing something. And what I would say to you is to let all of your songs sing out so that the person next to you may hear that song and may gravitate to the hope that you may have this moment and that you would find that strength in knowing that each of you are relying on God and walking through whatever it is that you are going through. You are not meant to do it alone. Whether we're scattered or brought together, we are united by that Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. So when the rain comes, let your frog song sing. Let it sing as loud as you can, even if it just be God be praised. And hear others doing the same. Pray for others. Stand with them. Love them as you love yourself, as you all try to seek and love the Lord your God. And find that endurance, that steadfastness in the very steadfast God who doesn't leave your side. So when the rain comes, let the frogs sing. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, there are things that we can't even mention that people are going through. To utter them would bring us to our knees. There are things that people have gone through and bear the scars. But oh God, remind us that this is not on our shoulders. The very victor's crown that you offer us has been won, not by us, but has been won by you. And that in your grace and in your love, you offer that to us. And so on this side of heaven, we can stand in the full assurance that there is victory over this world. And that we would hold on to that and hold on to you with full reliance as we walk through the rain. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He will hold us fast. This is not on our shoulders to produce the type of endurance that James talks about. It is through Christ who lives and abide in you who allows us to abide under this varying weight of whatever trial we may be going through. And as he lives in us, he, he continues to confirm the truth of his gospel. May you fully rely on that and let your frog song sing. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said amen. Have a wonderful weekend and exit out the side doors there.